is not a playground. It's a battleground. And let me tell you what, this battleground is the real deal. It's a real place of fighting. It's a real place of battle. And that being the case, every individual believer then must choose for himself or herself whether you're going to be a victor or a victim, whether you're going to be a champion or a casualty, or like the screen says, whether you're going to be a winner or a whiner. For you see, there are only two ways, two ways for we Christians to spend our life. We can either invest our lives living for God, or we can waste our lives living for ourselves. It's your choice, but know that your choice has consequences. So today is going to be an opportunity for you to make a declaration concerning how you intend to spend the rest of your life. So let's investigate our two options for just a moment, shall we? First of all, let's look at how we can waste our lives as a whiner. How can I waste my life as a whiner? How can I live in a way where my life will be a total waste? How can I have absolutely nothing to show for myself, nothing to show for my salvation when I stand before the Lord my God? How is it I can be sure to live my life as a belly-aching, griping, whining Christian? How can I do that? Well, if you want to be a whiny Christian who wastes his or her life, then allow me to share a few recommendations for you. The first thing that you can do in order to waste your life is to make your attitude dependent on circumstances. You can adopt a, uh, a kind of um, all-about-me attitude. You can determine that the only way you're going to be happy is if your ducks are in a row. Now, I don't know about you, but oftentimes my ducks ain't in a row. Amen? So sometimes we got to avoid adopting a when and then kind of thinking. Do you know what I'm talking about? When I close this deal, then I'll be happy. When I get married, then I'll be happy. When I make a certain amount of money, then I'll be happy. If you adopt that mentality, I want to tell you that you will waste your life chasing one meaningless thing after another. And as an added bonus, you'll be so miserable that no one will want to be around you. So if you want to be a whiny Christian, wasting your life, make your attitude all about circumstances. But here's a second one for you. Wallow around in the pit of worry. Decide right now that I am going to constantly study the worst-case scenarios. If I'm going to waste my life, I'm going to say, well, what if this happens, or what if that happens? Worry is an activity that is guaranteed to waste your life. So if you want to waste your life as a whiny Christian, I want to encourage you to worry, and to worry, and to worry. Most of the things you worry about won't never happen anyway. But make sure that you play those things over and over in your mind if you want to be a whiny Christian who wastes his or her life. But whatever you do, don't recall the words of Jesus when he said, 
Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Because if you do that, then you might not be wasting your life. And whiny Christians generally like to do that. Here's another way that you can be sure to waste your life as a whiny Christian, and that is consistently put your needs above the needs of others. Adopt an it's-all-about-me kind of attitude. Put your needs above the needs of your spouse. Put your needs above the needs of your coworkers, your friends, your children, above everybody else. Put your needs first. And I'll assure you, you'll end up wasting your life. Just say, you know what? I've decided I am going to be the center of my universe. I am going to rule my life. I know, God, that you created me. I know that you created me with a purpose. But I just want you to know I got this. I got this. I am taking charge of my life. You do that, and I can assure you, you'll waste your life. But here's the last one. If you want to be a whiny Christian who wastes his or her life, whatever you do, don't get involved in church. In fact, don't come to church. Be a poinsettia and lily kind of Christian. You know what that is? Christmas and Easter, right? Oh, and by the way, funerals count as one of your visits, okay? So don't bother coming. And listen, when you do come to church, make sure that you have a lousy attitude. Make sure that you don't come expecting to learn anything of value. When you come here, don't think that you might learn something that will change your life. Friend, if you're not careful when you come to church, you might learn something about the kind of life that is worth living. You know, you could be Enjoying a, a joy-filled, purpose-filled life. Man, if you're looking to waste your life, then don't come to church. You might find that here. So if you want anything to do with church at all, then just make sure it's a quick showing on Sunday morning. Amen? If you just feel compelled to come to church, just do a quick showing on Sunday morning. Uh, that way you don't get caught engaging in the life of church. That way you don't get caught uh, being active in the body of Christ. And listen, by all means, don't join a life group. Don't join a Sunday school class. Because in a Sunday school class, you're going to get to know other believers who might encourage you. We don't want that if we're looking to be a, a whiny Christian wasting our life. Furthermore, not only will you be encouraged, but you might get some joy out of it. And certainly joy is contagious, and you don't want to catch that disease, amen? So don't do that. Don't join a life group. And whatever you do, don't join a ministry. Don't become a part of a ministry. Don't use any of your talents. Don't use any of your talents to say or to act or to teach or to greet or to work with children or get involved with outreach or get involved in missions. Don't do that. Why? Because you might jeopardize your status as a whiner. You might reverse this tendency you have toward wasting your life, and you might actually do something with your life, and you don't want to do that, right? And whatever you do, above all, don't give to the church.
Don't give to the church. Don't even think about being a generous person. Don't even give anything. And if you feel compelled that you got to give something, then just make sure it's what you have left over. Amen? Make sure that it's what you have left over after you spend what you want on you. Because remember, you don't want God blessing you now, do you? You don't want God blessing you. And if you start practicing tithing and giving, then he's going to start blessing you more than you could ever imagine. And you don't want that. There you have it. There you have it. Just a few suggestions which, if you'll apply them to your life, are guaranteed to make you a whiny Christian who will waste your life. Just practice those things, and you'll be there. But what if that's not the kind of life you want to live? What if you don't want to be a whiny Christian who wastes his or her life? What if you want to be a winner instead? Well, let me share a few ideas about that, too. How you can invest your life as a winner, not a whiner. Now, to begin with, it's important for you to know that the arch enemy of your life, the devil, does not want you to be a winner. He does not want you to succeed. Your adversary absolutely delights in trying to make your life, get this, meaningless. If at the end of your days, people would say, they really didn't have an impact on me, then the devil has succeeded because your life has had no meaning. That's what he wants to do. And if there's any way possible that the devil can keep you out of the game, keep you out of the game for God, then he will do it. But I want you to know, you don't ain't got to allow him to overwhelm you that way. You don't have to permit him to overcome you in that way. You can get in the game. You can overcome him the same way that the saints in the tribulation will overcome him. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 12. And as John is writing this prophecy about what will be, he writes about these tribulation saints who are, who are in the world at that time. And he tells how they were able to overcome our arch enemy. Listen to what he says, beginning in verse 12. I'm sorry, verse 9 of chapter 12. He writes, so the great dragon was cast out. That serpent of old. Remember the serpent in Genesis? That serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels who followed him were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now, everybody say now. Now, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And then in verse 11, we see our greatest ammunition. 
And they overcame him. They overcame the devil, Satan, that serpent of old. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Look at here. The blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives even unto death. Three things those tribulation saints used to overcome your arch enemy. Today, I want to talk to you about those because they're important. If you want to be a winner, if you want success in this battleground, then you are going to have to have what these verses tell us are three things that characterize your life. The first thing that must characterize your life for you to be a winner is constant cleaning. Constant cleansing. That first thing in verse 11 says, they overcame him, literally speaking, they conquered him. They conquered him, how? By the blood of the lamb. The fact is, as we seek to get in the game for God, as we seek to be a winner, we're going to have times when we falter. When you decide to engage in this battle, there are going to be times when you fail. When you seek to get in the game for God and you seek to do ministry for the Lord, there are going to be times when you fail him. But thankfully, constant cleansing is available. It's available to us whenever we need it. That was made possible only by the Savior's sacrifice on a cross. On top of Mount Calvary. That forgiveness is available for us. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Constant cleansing is so important. I wanted to tell you a story about a Rose Bowl. On New Year's Day in 1929, Georgia Tech University was playing the University of California in the Rose Bowl. And there was a man named Roy Regals who played center for the University of California. And Roy Regals had recovered a fumble for California. He picked up the loose ball and he lost his direction, and he ran 65 yards in the wrong direction. One of his teammates ran him down and tackled him just before he scored for the opposing team. Several plays later, the California Golden Bears had to punt, and Georgia Tech blocked that kick and scored a safety and demoralized the University of California Golden Bears. But that's not the rest of the story. The rest of the story is this. At halftime, California players filed off into the locker room. Other uh, players sat down on benches, some on the floor. But old Roy Regals just put a blanket over his head, and he sat down in the corner, and he put his face in his hands. 
Now, a football coach usually has a whole lot to say during halftime. And if you have played ball, you know what I'm talking about. But Coach Price didn't say a word. What in the world was he going to do with Roy Regals? Then the timekeeper came in and announced it was three minutes until the start of the second half. And Coach Price looked at his team and he said, Men, the same team that played the first half will start the second half. So all the players got up and they started out, but Regals didn't budge. He didn't budge. And the coach looked back at him and he said, Regals, did you hear what I said? I said, the same team that played the first half is going to start the second half. And Roy Regals looked up at his coach and he said, with tears flowing down his face, he said, Coach, I can't do it. I've ruined you. I've ruined this university's reputation. I've ruined myself. I can't go back out there and face this crowd again. But Coach Price reached out and he placed his hand on Regal's shoulder pad and he said, Roy, I want you to get up and I want you to get back out there because the game is only half over. The game is only half over. Regals finally did get up and he went out onto the field and he played a stellar second half. He even blocked a Georgia Tech punt. You know, on occasion, we run the wrong way. On occasion, we go the wrong direction, just like old wrong way Regals does. And when that happens, your arch enemy, the devil, wants to make you think that you are out of the game. He wants to make you think that you are so intimidated you don't have a chance of participating again. He wants you to be accused by what your failure was that you'll just give up and throw in the towel. But I want you to know, friend, that forgiveness is offered by the blood of Jesus Christ and the game is only half over. No matter what your age the game is only half over. Now, I know that none of us can, can go back to the beginning and start brand new. We can't do that. But I do know that by the blood of Jesus Christ, you can always start where you are and make sure that there's a brand new end. Amen? But it's going to take some constant cleaning. But there is a second thing that must characterize your life. If you're going to be a winner, if you're going to be victorious over the enemy, if you're going to have success against the devil, and that is consistent confession. Verse 11 said, they overcame him. Literally, they conquered him. How? By the word of their testimony. In other words, their walk, matched their talk. 
In other words, their testimony was consistent. I've heard it said that what matters most is not how high you jump, but how straight you walk once your feet hit the floor. Consider this, friends. You may jump awful high on Sunday, but what's most important is how straight do you walk come Monday? Hebrews 12.1 tells us that we ought to run with endurance that race that God has set before us. It's not about how high you jump on Sunday. It's about how straight you walk on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My prayer, friend, for our church, my prayer is that we are known for a consistent commitment to reaching people for Jesus. My prayer is, is that we are known for an absolutely working together in unity. That means that all of us are working together toward the common goal. My prayer is, is that we are all making a positive impact on this world we live in for Jesus. My prayer is, is that we are having a willingness to follow Jesus wherever he may lead. I pray that we have a consistent commitment to share the love of Jesus across the way and around the world. That's the mission statement here at Bethel Baptist Church. And I pray that you are consistently committed to that. You know, the old saying goes, if it's to be, then it's up to me. If it's to be, it's up to me. What does that mean? Does that mean you can do something without Jesus Christ doing it? No, it doesn't. But it means that every one of us need to step up and do what God has called us to do. So do you want to be a winner? You want success? You want victory over the enemy? then your life needs to be characterized by constant cleaning and consistent confession. you got to walk what you talk. But there is a third necessity, and that is courageous commitment. Verse 11 said, they overcame him, that is, they conquered him, in that they did not love their life even to the death. You know, Christians who are winners, Christians who are victorious over the arch enemy of God are willing to make whatever sacrifice is necessary to follow Jesus. Sacrifice is a common part of their vocabulary. They humbly and willingly lay down their lives for the one who laid down his life for them. They become a Galatians 2.20 kind of Christian. They begin to live out. They flesh out Galatians 2.20. And I'm going to share that with you. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. But Christ lives 
in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So the question is this. How is God calling you to lay down your life in order to follow him? Because he's calling you. He's calling you to be a Galatians 2.20 kind of believer. He's calling you to lay down your life. He's calling you to that sacrifice. To do whatever it is he's leading you to do. So my question is to you. How are you going to get in the game? How are you going to get in the game? How are you going to engage in the ministry of God? How are you going to do it? You may say, well, Brother Bill, I don't even think I'm part of the team. God wants you to be part of the team. So maybe you need to start at training camp. Maybe you need to start at training camp simply humbling yourself before the Lord, receiving the grace of God and the forgiveness of sin. Maybe you need to offer yourself up as a potential star for the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you just need to start at training camp praying that God might use you for himself. You might be saying, well, Brother Bill, I've been on the team for years. I'm already on the team. Maybe you're on the team, but you just ain't got in the game. God wants you in the game. He wants you to engage. He wants you in the game of, of life for him. But it's been your choice not to be in the game. You know, you can't stay a spectator all your life. You can't stay a spectator and expect to reap all the benefits that God has got for the believer. You can't expect to stay a spectator and reap all the benefits that God gives to people who humble themselves to be used by him. You can't stay a spectator and be a winner. You've got to engage. You've got to get in the game. Today, my prayer is that you have come here for one reason. And that is to seek the face of God. But I pray that once you got here, not only did you find his face, but you heard his voice too. He wants you to be a winner. He wants you to be engaged in the game. He wants to use you for his glory.
Now, everyone in this room will have an opportunity to do what God told you to do. Today will be the first step toward re-engaging, toward getting in the game. Today you're going to have an opportunity to demonstrate that Bethel Baptist Church ain't a bunch of whiners, we're a bunch of winners. Today you're going to have the opportunity to come forward and just say, you know, coach, <laughs> I want in the game. You know, we've adopted some children's policies to protect our children and our youth here at Bethel Baptist Church in light of recent events. And one of the things that that's going to change for us is that there'll no longer be a classroom with children in it with one adult. The only way that a classroom of children will exist is if there are at least two adults in that classroom. So what does that mean? That means we need twice as many people. Otherwise, we're going to have to consolidate classes. And I don't know what you think a sixth grader looks like with a first grader, but it ain't pretty. Next Sunday is CIA Commitment Sunday. And it's where the believers here at Bethel publicly state, for the record, the record in heaven, that they want to be involved in teaching, reaching, and blessing children. But it's going to have to take all of us. It's going to take all of us. So you must engage. That's part of the game. But there are many, many other opportunities for you to engage in the ministry of this church. There are many other ways for you to, to get in the game. If you'll just let me know, Coach, I want back in the game. I want to be in the game. We'll put you at the position that suits you the best. The place that, that uh, will take your skill set of gifts and put them to the most use for the glory of God. But most important today, if you're not on the team, you feel the need to go to training camp. I want you to know today you can do that. If you'll come forward during our invitation song, I'll share with you what the Bible says about how people are saved into the kingdom of heaven and how they become part of the team.
Let's all stand and let's sing. I had decided to follow Jesus. Let's sing. I had decided to follow Jesus. I had decided to follow Jesus. I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. The world
Tell you what, he's awfully confident. Okay, youth, that's your that's your challenge today. <laughs> All right, is there anything else before we go? Just have a great day. Smile to somebody when you